Hi everyone, this is Carmen Miksha and Sofia Miksha, your hosts of Seeds of Sunshine, a mother-daughter multi-generational podcast filled with laughter, wisdom and advice. Sofia is a sophomore in high school in the IB program, a runner, a piano player and a sister. I have a BA and MA degree in English and have published two poetry books and a tennis book, which you can find on Amazon or on my website, CarmenMixaBooks.com. I am also a marathon runner and the broker CEO of Dynamic Real Estate, my own company. So if you're looking to buy or sell a home with me in the Sacramento or Bay Area regions, please visit my website, DynamicSacramentoHomes.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We promise to sprinkle seeds of sunshine once a week to elevate your lives and dreams through better communication between generations. Three decades ago, Carrie Shell began her career as a midwife. Over the years, her role in the health and wellness space has evolved with graduate school, becoming a yoga instructor, and as a director of health and wellness, creating innovating programs at an addiction center. She's presently a speaker and author. Carrie's latest book, The Great Drinking Reset, is full of warm humor and wisdom to help women who are great drinkers, women who aren't alcoholics, but have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, create wellness in their lives. Carrie's mind, body, spirit approach to wellness, along with her humor and wisdom, resonates with others on their desire to seek wellness. Welcome to Seeds of Sunshine, dear Carrie. I am honored and grateful to have you on. And how are you today? I am well, and thank you. I'm honored to be here also. <laughs> Wonderful, Carrie. And before we dive into our conversation, I have a quote and a joke. And the quote is by, by Mark Twain. He says, the secret to getting ahead is getting started. Quite powerful, right? Because yes, what you do definitely. in your line of work, you, you probably have to have a lot of people Get, getting started on the right path. Definitely, definitely. That's the first thing, the first step to wellness. <laughs> Wonderful. And let's see if you know the answer to this joke. Why did the cookie go to the hospital? <laughs> why, did, why did the cookie go? Because it was feeling crummy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know my daughter gives me grief about the jokes, but almost all my guests say, oh, we love the jokes, you know, because it sets up the tone for our podcast. Definitely. It keeps it nice and light. <laughs> yes, it, indeed. And I am very impressed, uh, Carrie, with your, um, you know, overreaching uh, passions and how you basically reinvented yourself. And um, just from your bio, um, let's start with, uh, with your book, The Great Drinking Reset, such an interesting title. Can you explain to us what it actually is great drinking? Right. Okay. I'd love to. So great drinking is how you referred to. It's, there's no real clinical definition, but it's if you're feeling that you have, you're starting to drink too much or maybe too often. You're telling yourself, I should take a break from drinking. Chances are you're a great drinker. You're not an alcoholic, so you're not going to go to AA or rehab. 
but you know that you need to make some changes. You're in this gray area and hence the term gray drinking. So the book is all about my own journey, having been, I'm an addiction specialist. And then oh, during the beginning of COVID realizing that my alcohol consumption was becoming unhealthy and further realizing that I'm not alone. There are millions and millions of women and men out there who are great drinkers and they really need somewhere to go to help them reformulate their relationship with alcohol. Wow, that is so powerful. It's funny that you say that because just yesterday, um, I'm a real estate broker and the CEO of my company. And I helped uh, one of my sellers, you know, sell her house and we became friends. And she was saying exactly what you're saying, that during the pandemic, she kind of was, you know, drinking a little too much, like every night to the point that she had to actually hide the wine so that she doesn't have access to it, you know, and it wasn't like she was drinking a lot, you know, but it just became a habit that she recognized as unhealthy. Exactly. And I think for a lot of people, especially during COVID, when a lot of our maybe social ways to interact socially, we were confined to our homes. And so it just, plus the stress, the anxiety, all of the unknown fears that we were going through during the time, I think drinking sort of became a way that we would know, reward ourselves or that we felt that it allowed us to exhale, if you will, to relax. Um, and it really, as you're saying about your friend, it for many of us, including myself, it just became a habit, part of your daily life that you, you know, you would rationalize and say, well, if I was in France, this wouldn't be a big deal. You know, I'd be having a glass of wine with lunch and dinner, and I wouldn't be thinking anything of it. But when you start to have that little inner voice tell you that you need to make a change, that's when you really need to pay attention. Yes, so true, because this is one of those routines or habits that we shouldn't be making. <laughs> yeah, that, you're right. And it doesn't matter if, you know, people say to me, it's, I have a cultural hang up, you know, as I was saying that if I were somewhere else, I wouldn't even be thinking about it. But really, when I stop and I think, do I really want to be putting that into my body? It's like sugar, refined sugar. I mean, how much refined sugar do you want to be consuming? Um, yeah, it's great to have it once in a while, but you don't want to be at the point where every day you're thinking I need one or two pieces of cake, right? So <laughs> same with alcohol. You don't want to be at that point where you feel you really want it or you really need it in a sense uh, it, as part of your daily life. Yes. And you said you brought up an important um, point. Um, we were in Europe uh, this summer in Spain and Portugal. And like you were saying, if you live there, especially in France and even all the European countries, you wouldn't think twice about it to have a glass of wine with your dinner, right? Mm -hmm. But the wine there, I think, is different than here. Um, and the food there is different than here. They eat healthier than we do, you know. And um, I think that's important what you said, but why wouldn't you want to feel like you live in France when you want your glass of wine? <laughs> right. I think you're bringing up some really good points. And I think that, as you say, some of the wines are healthier 
Um, they're not as processed and they have less tannins in them and they can be healthier. Diet is another excellent thing. I think it's also the mindset. I don't think, uh, you know, I lived in France for a year and I don't, yes, of course people would get it drunk and intoxicated, but that wasn't the goal of having the drink. Having, and a lot of times it would just be one glass of wine. Whereas for myself, I would have a glass of wine while I was making dinner, maybe another glass of wine with my dinner. Um, I could even have a third glass throughout the course of an evening. And now while I wasn't intoxicated, you just start to realize, wow, I had three quarters of a bottle or two thirds of a bottle of wine in the evening. And do I really want to have that? Whereas I think in Europe, in a lot of cultures, they, they have the, the whole idea of moderation is far more ingrained in a part of way of life. So as opposed to having a huge portion of dessert, many will just have one or two bites and just really appreciate and savor the taste. You'll have one glass of one and that's it. And it's, it's a very different mindset. I think when you get into the mindset of that you really want to have that glass of wine and really need it as a part as opposed to I think a more healthy outlook that that that's a very different thing and that's why there's no definitive definition of a great drinker it's a very in a, in a sense an individual thing and we have to look at ourselves and understand why we're drinking how often and really what is it getting us what purpose is it serving and I think when we do that we can redefine our relationship with alcohol. Yes, I, I really agree with you, Carrie, because um, my father, you know, had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol and he also had diabetes. So that put an end to his life very early. He died at 53, you know, right. And, and that really affected me because we were very close. And I always said to myself, I was in high school. I remember that. And I made a promise with myself. I said, I will never marry a man who, who likes to drink. You know, that's, uh, you know, a, def a definition of what I don't want, you know, because especially growing up in Romania, you know, people drink a lot there and they don't drink, uh, the way the French people do it, even though we're in Europe, but we're Eastern Europe. And I'm talking heavy alcohol. You're not talking a glass of wine, you know? Right. Um, you're talking the Romanian equivalent of brandy, which we call tuica. <laughs> yes. So a very strong yes. alcohol. Very strong alcohol, right? And so I could see, you know, when people got drunk and how, how it affected their whole lives and their mental and you know their relationships and i made that promise with myself and you know i'm lucky my husband i probably drink more if we go to a party than my husband because he's like mm -hmm. drinking this much of wine and i try to drink a little bit more i never can even do a full glass you know <laughs> i just don't have that um in my body and um and, and you know that's really important because um, that's another thing I want to ask you. Why is it so hard for people to cut back or stop drinking altogether? Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of reasons for that. So I think a big thing is how you were saying in Romania and how it is, say, in North America, where a lot of our social networks and our families having alcohol drinking is part of what we do. So you get together for a family dinner, you have alcohol, you have a holiday, alcohol, 
you go out for dinner with friends or a party. So it's always there, you know, and media, social media kind of shows us that, you know, the people who are really lively and beautiful and hip and with it, they always have a, they have a drink in their hand. So it's really ingrained in us that that's part of what having a good time involves. And so when you are in that situation and you're sensing, you know, I'm drinking too much or I, I want to cut back, it's hard to get feedback, unbiased feedback, because a lot of the people you're probably associating with probably drink as much as you do. And so for them to say, you know, yeah, you're right, Carrie, you are, yeah, maybe you should cut back. You know, you are drinking every day, having a couple glasses every day, and that's too much. If they're doing the same thing, it's hard for them, A, to recognize, and it's hard for them to acknowledge, because if they acknowledge seeing that in you, then chances are they have to acknowledge it in themselves. So I think that's a huge one that by and large, how much as a society we drink has really increased. And so the norm of what's expected is kind of, is really out of whack in my, in my opinion. Um, then the other thing is I think people are drinking for different reasons. And what we have to really step back and realize is for the non-alcoholic, for the gray drinker, you know, you're doing it for different reasons, say, than an alcoholic or an addict who there could be deep trauma, serious abuse, mental health issues. There could be some very serious, deep-seated issues. For the gray drinker, we kind of delude ourselves and think, okay, this helps me relax at night, or this is my reward for getting all my work done, and, you know, that kind of thing. But if we step back and we realize, well, it's actually not the wine that's helping me relax or unwind. It's the fact that I'm slowing down my day and I'm taking time to sit down and just process my day. A glass of wine happens to be my excuse to do so, but I could do that with something else in the glass. It doesn't have to be wine. So I think there are a lot of pressures. There's a lot of stress that we face today, a lot of challenges. And I think we need to find healthier ways to help us cope and, and feel better about ourselves. Absolutely, Carrie. As a matter of fact, I'm a marathon runner and the way I de-stress at night, especially lately, and that really helps me relax and stay injury free. I do 10 minutes of yoga before I go to bed. And I just follow a YouTube video and it's absolutely amazing because sometimes I'm sore after a long run and in the evening, right before going to bed, I do my yoga and I feel so good. I sleep well, I'm relaxed, my body is all of a sudden loose and I know that the next day I can go back out there and get my run in. And I never associate relaxing with a glass of wine Sure, if I go to a party, I'm going to drink, like like I told you, a quarter of a glass, right? Um, but I think what you're saying is so important. Like everyone should find what truly relaxes them at the end of the day. And we all know that we have to get away from our technology because mm -hmm. it's not good for us before going to bed. We know that a 10-minute yoga is so, it doesn't take long. You can't just say, Oh, Carmen, do this one hour yoga every day. Cause I will tell you, Carrie, I don't have time for that. I cannot <laughs> yeah. commit. But if right. you were to tell me, Carmen, here is a 10 minute video. Do it at least five days a week. You're a runner. It will help you. I will be like, you got it, Carrie. 
For sure. And I think, you know, that's a big thing. Um, we all would wish we had enough time, you know, to do our run, to do yoga, to do this and that, you know, but we don't, that's the reality. We don't have enough time. And so we do prioritize and we pick and choose. So for you as a runner, you're going to make sure you get, I used to be a runner, you know, you make sure you get the run in. Now I do other things other than run. And that's a priority. I have to get that in. And so I love that you're bringing in yoga because that really certainly does help you just, it, you just connect to your whole being, mind, body, and spiritually in a way that, especially before bed, it can definitely help you sleep. And so people do need to find what that thing is. And that's a big problem today. You know, most people are not physically active and we're sedentary. So that's something very different. Being inactive and sitting is being sedentary. Being physically active is you know, going for your run, going for a workout, doing yoga, swim, whatever, a walk, whatever the case may be. But when you put the two together, the both have such tremendous negative impacts on our overall mind, body, spirit, health, that no wonder we're looking at other quick fixes like a glass of wine to help us cope and navigate through our days. So powerful what you just say, quick fixes, Carrie. That's the problem we have in our American society. We always look at quick fixes because if you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you, look, you really have to start exercising, eating right, you're gonna be like, hello, but do you have a pill for me? You know, that's Correct. what most people want. And I'm the opposite. Like, I'm like, when can I get off these pills? Like I used to take some for my thyroid, which I healed through running, healthy eating and doing everything right. And I told my doctor, I said, I'm ready to get off these pills. She's like, oh, people don't usually get off them, but let's run the tests and let's see how you do. She was wonderful. She understood that I'm a runner. And sure enough, I've been off any medications for more than a year and a half. But my main priority was to tell her, look, I can handle this with the right nutrition, with, uh, with exercise, with good sleep and good habits. I'm not your typical patient. You're right. And, and you're very atypical because a lot of people through all health journeys, they do want to have a quick fix. And, you know, as you were saying, your father with diabetes now with type two diabetes, very different from type one, but for most adults with type two and, and now with children who are getting type two, which historically has always been an adult disease, um, but we're seeing children more and more with type two, that is basically all nutrition and exercise. And so people are preferring to go the route of medication rather than making dramatic, drastic changes to their lifestyle that could see them healthier and happier, um, as opposed to staying the status quo and needing medication and having some very serious long-term health complications from something like type two. Yes. Yeah. No, my father had type one, actually, I was giving him insulin, you know, and, and with the medications, I really needed them in the beginning, Carrie, because my thyroid was so out of whack. And I recognized that. But as soon as I felt better, I told the doctor, I said, we need to start working on getting me off. And when I posted on Facebook, my friends who have been taking thyroid medications for life, they, they literally went and they said, we didn't know that we can get off our medications. I'm like, 
what are you talking about? Of course you can. If your thyroid is healthy, you're healthy, you're doing everything right. There's no reason for you to be on these medications for life. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And hopefully some of them were inspired to make some changes themselves. Yes, yes, for sure. So because we're, you know, how people make New Year's resolutions, yes. uh, what is your advice um, to our listeners regarding drinking and how they can handle this, uh, you know, and how they can actually make their New Year's resolution stick? Right. So one thing I would say is don't try to do it right now. If you enjoy having your drinks over the holidays and that's already part of what you're kind of planning and looking forward to, you've already restocked your bar, you're going to parties, today's not the day to do it. You know, be kind to yourself, set yourself up for success, get through the holidays. And then here are a couple of things though. In the meantime, if you go to my website, carryshell.com, there's a tab there, holiday cheer, and it's a free download of delicious, beautiful holiday alcohol-free cocktails. So download that and try interject some of your drinks with these non-alcoholic drinks. They're festive, they're delicious. It'll still give you that feeling of having that cocktail and celebrating. You just won't have the alcohol. The other thing is two things. You can also go to my website and there's a free 10 day reset. And that's basically, so once the new year hits, why don't you just try 10 days and work along with this 10 day reset and see how you feel. You know, alcohol doesn't stay in your body for very long. So once you've stopped drinking for a few days, you're gonna start to feel better and clearer and healthier. You're gonna start to feel some changes pretty quickly. So do the 10 days. And if at the 10 days you're feeling better, now you're in a position to make an informed decision. Do I want to keep on this journey or do I, or do I not? And if you want to keep going, that's when I'm going to plug my book, The Great Drinking Reset, because that's a 30-day, a comprehensive, we're going down into things about relationships and, and our diet and our relationship with food and working out with others. And it really helps you explore why you have the relationship you do with alcohol. So one, be kind to yourself, set yourself up for success and try even just to start with 10 days. It's a, it's a free download and just go for it and see how you feel. I love your advice, Carrie, because it's the same like with medications. You don't just cut it off entirely, you know, like you, you skip a day, then you skip two, you know, until you get it out of your system to the point of, okay, everything is functioning. I actually feel much better, you know, and I love the fact that you are progressing people, you know, like starting with the 10 days and then moving to the 30 days, because we know the most powerful habits are formed when you stick to the 30 day, you know, definitely. Yeah. And so I, I absolutely love that. And since we're getting close to the end of our uh, interview here, we always love to sprinkle seeds of sunshine for our listeners. And what are your seeds of sunshine, Carrie? Ah, my seeds of sunshine, I think, are really being in tune with what I need to recharge. And so for me, being in nature and being physically active are, are very important to me on a daily basis. Also, I get up early enough that I can have my own little routine in the morning where I, where I do a workout, I pray, I read some spiritual readings, 
I do a little meditation. And that just sets me up in a way for my day where I feel grounded. And I just feel like all of the things that are really important to me, beyond my family and loved ones, I've really treasured and I've ensured that I prioritize them. So I encourage people, you know, if you're wanting to make a change, getting up a little earlier, it might sound crazy. You know, I'm so tired all the time. I'm so run down. Well, A, maybe turn off Netflix a little earlier in the evening (laughs) and try it. Just even if it's 20 minutes to give yourself time to just unwind and slow down and to be thankful and to just acknowledge the day and to have gratitude and feel the blessings of your day, I think are really important. And those are the ways I really like to to sprinkle my seeds of sunshine. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. They're wonderful. And before I let you go, how can listeners connect with you online and how can they buy your book? Sure. You can connect with me at carrieshell.com. Um, and my book is available online where at any reputable bookseller or in stores. Yeah. And it'll be out January 10th, but you can pre-order now. Oh, really? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Really great. So we will actually air in January. So it will be perfect. Um, it will be in the show notes and people can click and, and buy it. And I thank you so much, Carrie, for today. I, I wish you a happy, happy new year and to make all your new year's resolutions. And thank you again. Thank you and have a lovely holiday. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Carrie. Bye. Bye. Seeds of Sunshine is a proud supporter of Sacramento Youth Center and 50% of your donations are going directly to our local branch. To contribute and support our podcast, please use the coffee app, which you can find in our show notes. It is greatly appreciated. Wishing you a great week full of sunshine. Thanks so much for listening, sharing, and reviewing our podcast wherever you listen to. And if you have some great wisdom and advice and wish to be a guest on Seeds of Sunshine, please message me on social media at Carmen Mixa, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And last but not least, remember that we will have a monthly drawing for cool prizes to reward our top listeners and supporters who share and review Seeds of Sunshine. Goodbye for now.